Hosanna means victory now. Victory now. And so you begin to declare victory before you ever enter into the first battle. People are praying, people are concerned, people are witnessing, people are doing what they've been called to do. They have a compassion for the people that are lost. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. He said, man, I mean, I want you to engage people. In today's message, Pastor Eddie Mason continues his series on the history of Southside Christian Fellowship Church and its four banner themes. The theme of today's sermon is compassion and how it continues to impact our lives today. I told you this several weeks ago, God has got me going back over the foundational teachings of the church. And the reason He's got me going over the foundational teachings of the church is that our foundation becomes very, very important to our faith and how we're going to move and what we're going to do. And so we want to be sure that we're able to do that. As I was getting ready today, I was thinking about some of the things that uh, God has done for us and uh, just how, how powerfully, powerfully blessed we are. And then I got thinking about Clemson football. Can you believe that, that I'd think about Clemson football? And uh, one, of, one of Dabo's uh, one of Dabo's. <laughs> great things is all in. All in. And every game they have to take a chip or a piece of paper or something, I'm not sure what it is, but they put it, they put it in and they give it back to Dabo. Said, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. And so when we begin to see and understand that that's what we're called to, then we begin to understand that that's what God's saying to us. Now what happens is, what makes Dabo so good is he really does get the players to buy in to this idea of all in. And they give it everything they've got. Jesus would have us buy into this idea. You see, He would have you buy into the idea of it's all in. This thing that we've, we've considered church, where it's, we've relegated it to just a portion of our life, that is not what following Jesus is all about. Jesus becomes our life. We become all in with Him and what He's doing. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And so, as I'm, as I'm looking over this, I want you to understand that's, I believe, what God's saying. He's, he's called us all in. And he asked me this question. He said, ask the church, are you doing your part? Are you doing your part? Are you doing your part in worship? Are you doing your part in prayer? Are you doing your part in what God has called you to? Or are you just hoping somebody else will do what you've been called to do? And so we, we don't have this opportunity to slough this off on anybody else. You know, and it's not about you, it's about God and His kingdom. It's about Christ and His salvation. It's about people and their hurts and their wants and their needs. But when we center everything on us, we miss the point of who God is and what He sent His Son for. And so we have to move into a whole new realm. I'm going to teach you on compassion and then I'm going to intercession. And let me tell you why I'm doing it in that order. You cannot intercede from somebody for somebody until you first have compassion for that person. Okay, I, I don't know about you, but this whole thing in New York, this abortion and all this other stuff, it just makes me angry. And to see them celebrating it, I'm going, my gosh, have we become heathens again? Have we just become such that we would dance around and smear the blood of children over our faces and declare this? And, and what that makes me want to do is I want to do uh, post-birth abortions. Y'all know what that is? That's murder. It just, man, it just, it makes me so angry. I'm going, how in the world can you even think or, or, or 
understand something that is so heinous as what the abortionists and, and all are doing. I mean, it's just, it's just beyond my belief. It's beyond my understanding how a man or a woman could kill a, a child. I, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. But that's the height that we've risen to of, of, of just pure evil. I, I don't know any other way to put it, but pure evil. And so, one of the things that we can do is we can either give up or we can step up. And so if you're going to step up, you're going to step up in faith, and your faith declares Jesus is our victory. I made you make a declaration about Hosanna. How many you know what Hosanna means? Hosanna means victory now. Victory now. And so you begin to declare victory before you ever enter into the first battle. We begin to declare victory over, over the things that are happening in the earth. Now, now let me take you one step further. We're not, we're not angry with, with, with women that have had abortions. We want to see them healed and brought into the, to the fullness of the knowledge of the Lord. That's not our idea. What we want to do is stop the murder that's going on in our nation. Amen? Because they're not only murdering the children, but they're mur murdering the mothers and the fathers. They're murdering them, their soul. They're searing their conscience over with evil and hatred. And, and all of a sudden we wonder why we're a nation that is so angry. How else could we be? What else could we be but an angry nation? And so we've been called into this idea of compassion and understanding. And we need to do our part. This word compassion means sympathetic, sympathetic consciousness of others' distress, distress. I'll say it right here in a minute. Together with the desire to alleviate it. It doesn't do you any good just to see somebody in distress and shake your head and say, oh well. But there comes in us a desire to alleviate it, to do something about it. And so we need to do something about it. It's not just look at it, it's take on that, that responsibility. How many know taking on responsibility for somebody else is hard? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's hard. It's hard to care about other people. It, it really is hard to care about other people. And, and so it's burdensome. It really is. I'm not going to lie to you. But, but we're not asked to do that. We're commanded to do that. We're commanded to love. And so if we're commanded to love, we're commanded to take it on. Proverbs 11.25 said, A generous person will prosper, and anyone who gives water will receive a flood in return. I like that. I like that. It said, if you give, you're going to prosper. We need givers. We need to be givers. And, and God lays out three ways of giving as far as finances. He talks about he talks about tithes, he talks about alms, and he talks about offerings. Alms are the money that you just give to the poor. There's no expectation of return on alms. It's just I'm giving it, I'm giving it, I'm giving it. Tithes, that's the money that belongs to God. It's His money. It's what all belongs to Him. Offerings now is where you get into the giving. You hear where I'm going? Offerings are giving. And so we talk about all the times we do offerings, but the offerings are where the greatest blessings flow. That's where the greatest blessings flow are on that. But he says, he said, the man that gives it prospers. He, he just says that straight out in Proverbs. A generous person. And anyone who gives water will receive a flood. I love that. What was the need of water? What is the need of water? Man, you can take a bath in water. You can, you can be, uh, you can, if you're parched, man, you can be refreshed with water. You can just have water for anything. And so what he's talking about is the one that ministers to the soul of another person. He says, if you'll minister to the soul of another person, I'll send you a flood. Amen. Oh, you don't get it. Yes, amen. How many of us from time to time need a flood? 
whoo, we need a flood. We need something that ministers to our soul. We need something that ministers to our woundedness. And God says the best way to that, do that is give a cup of water. Reach out and help somebody else. Reach, pass on the goodness of God to somebody other than yourself. Make sure that they understand what it's all about. Amen? And so he's called us into this place. Then he says in Romans, Paul tells us what true Christianity is. He said, let love be genuine. Mm. That's a strong statement. Let love be genuine. You know, one of my, one of my key phrases is I say I love you to all, everybody. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And I do love you. I do care about you. I care about what happens to you. But sometimes we can overuse that word and we can use it in such a way that there's no real meaning expressed when I say I love you. And so we want to come to a point that, that an understanding that, that when I love you, say I love you, there is action that backs that up. And so if there's no action, then the word doesn't mean anything, does it? Turn to your, turn to your neighbor and say, love is a verb. My wife tells me that a verb requires action. And so we want to move in that action. Look what he said, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Our terminology is God help me love what you love and hate what you hate. That's what he's saying there. Love one another with brotherly affection. He says this is what real Christianity is all about. Outdo one another in showing honor. Daddy talked about honor this morning. He talked about, about submission. He, talk, he talked about respect. He said well, that's the way we ought to do each other, man. We ought to try to outdo each other. We ought to try to, to be the, the best one. Man, have my seat, please. Take my seat. Here, have my book. Here, whatever I got, you can have it. I want to honor you. He tells us to honor each other. He said, do not be slothful in zeal. Do not be slothful in zeal. Boy, that's a mouthful, isn't it? Basically what he's saying, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy and make your work count. And then he goes on and said, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. He said, be energetic. Be filled up with this passion to serve. You see, it's not a passion to come to church. Worship, when our worship emanates out of us, it's a, it's a passion to see God's hand move. It's a passion to see people help. It's a passion to see men, uh, uh, people minister to. It's a passion to see evil put in its place. It's a passion to see the, the, the justice of God poured out in the earth. It becomes a passion of who you are. And so if it's not a passion, then you haven't moved into the real true meaning of Christianity yet. And I'm not condemning everybody. We've got to go as far as we are. But God's saying, when you get passionate about it, you're going to have some emotions and some feelings that go along. And it's going to be such that you'll be so disturbed, you can't help but work. Amen? Amen. Let me go on. He said, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. I wish the apostle hadn't written all this stuff, don't you? Look what he said. Rejoice in hope. How many of you are rejoicing in hope? How many of you have given up? How many of you have given up? You see, God said, ain't no place for giving up. When you give up, you give place to the devil. When you give place to the devil, he's saying, I got you, old boy. I got you. Got you right where I want you. No, we don't give up. We're not of those that turn back. We don't give up. Turn to your neighbor and say, we ain't never giving up. And that's good southern slang right there. We ain't never giving up. Amen. We are never going to quit. 
We're never going to quit. Why? Because God's put in us a desire and a zeal to do His work, to do His will. And we believe in hope. We believe that what we saw on the newspapers will be replaced by millions of people falling on their face before God and worshiping Him and declaring the goodness of God and declaring that life is, is, should be something that's sacred, not that it should be taken so easily. We can begin to see it in our, in our mind and begin to grab hold of it in our heart. We can begin to see what God said will take place. We can see millions upon millions of Christians all over this nation crying out to God and God pouring out His Spirit. Thank you, Sonia. One amen back there anyway. That's hope. Can't give up. Can't quit. What if, the, what if the church in China had just quit? Said it's all over with. They're going to kill us. If we hit, you know what would happen? The church would die. You know the church is not dead in China. The church is alive and well in China. Jesus is alive and well in China. It's the fastest growing church in the world. Can I tell you, if the church had quit, then all the Muslims would be destined to hell forever and ever and ever. Can I tell you that Jesus is alive and well in the Middle East? And He is doing His thing and people are getting saved. He's showing up in their dreams. Why? Because people are praying. People are concerned. People are witnessing. People are doing what they've been called to do. They have a compassion for the people that are lost. They're not just shaking their hands and saying, look at those terrible terrorists. Look at those people that have no humanity. They just want to kill us. They're saying, oh God, have mercy upon them. Have mercy upon their souls. God, awaken them to the truth of your love and your justice. Boy, y'all awfully quiet this morning. He said, be patient in tribulation. Ah, oh, I hate that. You know, because Jesus said, I'm going to come quickly. That's 2,000 years ago. That's two days. So when he says, be patient in tribulation, man, we're, we're patient for 30 minutes, an hour hour and a half. I tell Sue all the time when she gets sick, she got three days. I can, I can handle sickness for about three days. Now if I get sick, that's different. But if she gets sick, three days, then she got to be well. I can't handle no more. You know, and so, okay, God, I'm going to put up with this tribulation for a day or two days or three days. Has anybody ever read the book of Job? Let's just don't go there. He said, be patient. But he said, be patient with an expectation of deliverance and a hope that comes out of our, the promises of God Himself. He's not saying focus on the tribulation. He's saying focus on the promise. Am I making sense to you? He wants us to focus on the promise. He said contribute. He said be constant in prayer. Don't stop. The Apostle Paul later says, says don't cease praying. Always pray. Always pray. What is he talking about? We need to be in constant communication with the Lord. I like that picture I saw this morning of us dancing with the Lord, dancing through life with the Lord, dancing through the tribulations with the Lord, dancing through whatever comes. We got the Lord and He's got us. He will see us through no matter what comes our way. God is there, Jesus is there, and the Holy Spirit's inside of us. And so we understand what He is saying. And so He says, bless those who persecute you. Wait, let me go back one. Contribute to the needs of the saint and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. He said, man, I mean, I want you to engage people. 
If they've got a problem, you've got a problem. If they're weeping, you're weeping. If they're rejoicing, you're rejoicing. That's true Christianity. That's true Christianity. It's diametrically opposed to the way of the world. It is so different than the way of the world. But he's called us into that, and every one of these come under the definition of compassion because they move outside who we are and move into who somebody else is. And our concern becomes greater for our brother than it is for ourselves. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. The only way that can happen is by the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can cause you to move in that place. Look what he goes on to say. I won't read the whole thing, but you need to go read that scripture because he describes what being a, a true Christian is. And in Romans 12, 19, he says, Beloved, never, say never. never. Say it again, never, never avenge yourself. Wow. Now, how many of us ever want just to get even? You know, I remember when the first Death Wish movies came out. Anybody remember Death Wish? Charles Bronson? I thought that was the coolest thing I had ever seen. He made every one of those guys pay triple for what they had done to his family. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And the Holy Spirit said, that ain't cool, boy. I said, oh. He said, that's the way of the world. That's the way of the flesh. That's not the way of the Spirit. You can't walk with me and walk in that attitude. God. But they deserved it. And he said, you're not their judge. Okay. Never avenge yourself, believe it to the, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, say that, to the contrary. Ooh. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Mm. Wow. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. I told you, when I first read that scripture, I thought that was the coolest thing. I just waited for people to do me wrong so I could pray for them. <laughs> and then I just wait till God burn them up. And then I found out that wasn't what that scripture meant at all. It seems that when they would run out of fire, what would happen is they'd go around, they'd put this thing on their head, and, and people would give them a coal of fire, a red hot coal, so that they could have warmth in their homes and they could bring fire to cook back over. And so it was a blessing. And I thought, God, you tricked me. I want to kill them and you want to heal them. I don't understand this. You want to bless them. I, you really do want to bless them, God. And you want me to really bless them. You don't want me to just say that prayer in pretense. You really do want me to bless those that are my enemies. God, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. He said, and he goes on, but he says, some will be one. Some will grab hold. Some will change. And then you've got a brother. The whole idea of compassion is reaching out and touching somebody else. I want to talk to you about some of, the, some of the acts of compassion that we've had in the past, some of them that just kind of delighted my soul. And I do this to not to say this is what we did. I, I do this to say I want us to challenge us to go further now. Okay, we need to grow, do greater uh, works than we've done before. 
the Lord moved on our heart to minister to the families that lived in Toby Springs. And if you don't know where Toby Springs is, it's right across the railroad track, right there on uh, 42 or Jonesboro Road as you're going across over there. And uh, it was on the right-hand side, and it was a, a Section 8 housing. Predominantly people that, that just needed assistance were living in there, uh, very poor. And we decided that what we wanted to do was make sure they had a good Christmas. And so we got together and we decided we'd get a toy and an article of clothing, which meant we had to go through the whole neighborhood and get the, the sizes of everybody that was there. So we went through and we got the size of everybody that was there. And I remember there were, there were hundreds of hundreds of presents, and most of them were unwrapped. And so the women of the church were downstairs, and they were down there wrapping. Notice I didn't say the men. If you've ever seen me wrap something, you'd be thankful that it never got wrapped by me. But uh, I'm one of those, you know, when you wrap the package and there's a space missing, do y'all have a space missing when you wrap it? I just take one, just slap it on there and glue it down real good. So, but anyway, the, the women began to do that and then we began to take them out. Now, some of the people said, we want to take our own stuff. We want to go witnessing, which I thought was super cool. And so, they started taking them. So, we did this year in and year out. And uh, then, then all the churches kind of jumped on the bandwagon. And once they jumped on the bandwagon, we pulled in there one Christmas and there were, there were cars backed up waiting to pull into each house with trunks full of stuff. Not that, not that I, I was upset that they did that, but I just felt like, you know, they really didn't need what we were given at that point in time. They were ministered to. But out of that, out of that whole idea, we, we came up with a, a whole other idea that was called, Daddy came and said, let's do sidewalk Sunday school. And so what we then began to do is we began to go in the neighborhood and once a month we would go into that neighborhood and we'd give away juice and cookies and donuts and stuff like that to all the kids. And uh, it, it was interesting. They would come from everywhere. They would come from everywhere. And we would sing songs and play games and teach a Bible lesson right there. It, it was so interesting. It was my first encounter with a pit bull. I never will forget the day I live, I'm knocking on a door and I'm trying to find out something. And as I'm knocking on that door, I look over there at this, and this female pit bull is over there. She's on a chain, but the chain's broke. And she's in a fence, but the fence is this far up off the ground. And I thought, uh-oh, I hope she doesn't decide. And by the time that thought went in my head, here she comes. Boo! And she comes flying to me. And all I did was freeze. And she is barking and barking and barking, and she ripped my pants, and she hit my fingernail with a tooth, and she didn't bite me, but she kept on and on. Well, right over here to the right, I thought, there's my salvation right there. There was two guys from the phone company, and they had shovels and everything else. I said, they're going to come knock this dog off of me. No, no, no. I look back. They have climbed up on top of the van. And so now I'm saying, praying, God, I'm out here doing your work. You know how you do that prayer, don't you? I'm out here doing your work. Are you going to let this dog eat me alive out here? And then two little girls came outside. They wasn't about this high. And they go, they whistled, and the dog took off running. I said, thank you, Jesus. I'm through for the day. <laughs> Whew. But anyway, we would go knock on doors, and we'd come out there, and and then, then Herman came on board and he started doing it. He started picking them up every Sunday and bringing them to church. And they started coming to church with us. And, and uh, you know, we just kept sowing seeds and sowing seeds and sowing seeds. I never will forget one Sunday morning we were in church. Two little boys came in. They were crying. I went down and I said, what's wrong? I said, Mom and Daddy got arrested today. They've been put in jail for drugs. We don't know what we're going to do. I don't know whether they ran from the police. I don't know how they got away from them. 
But those two kids ran to the church. Man, my heart was broken. My heart was absolutely broken. We helped them get with an uncle. So up in Tennessee, we took care of them. But how good was it that those two kids know where they could run for help? Come on. They knew where they could run for help. Now years later, what the result of that has been is many times, probably Herman more so than anybody, but these kids that were in there will see Herman and they'll come running up to him. And the first thing they want to talk about is what Jesus did in their life. Now you couldn't tell what Jesus was doing in their life then because they were just a bunch of hoodlums. But we know, we know of at least two of those young boys that are now ministers, pastors. Come on. Amen. Yeah, give the Lord praise. They give the Lord praise. Why? Because somebody just went in there and had a little fun with some kids. And then out of that we decided that if we weren't going to carry the presents that, that we would help feed some of these people that are on the, on the uh, streets begging for food and stuff like that. Anybody, anybody here ever seen anybody on the side of the road begging for food? Sure you have. And so what we did was we decided we would make these sacks and we would put these, put these gross non-perishable groceries in there. And when we put those non-perishable groceries in there, we'd have them to, to hand out. And Leanne and a bunch of them got together, and I think they went to your house, didn't they, Leanne, to put all those bags together. And we put several hundred bags together. And when we put those several hundred bags together, we put them up there and said, come get them, and then keep them in your car. And we gave, we gave hundreds of bags away. We told them to give $5 if they felt like it, but we gave more bags than we did $5 bills. But it didn't make any difference. You know, there were crackers in there. There was... Uh, Vienna uh, uh, sausages in there. There were just all this stuff that they could take, and if they were really hungry, they would have something to eat. And then we had somebody that started taking that. And then out of that, then Leanne and Mark and Jim and Pat said, "Well, we want to take coats down to the homeless in Atlanta." And so they started gathering up coats and taking all these coats down to the homeless. And every year at Christmas time, they would get blankets and coats, and they would take them into the homeless areas and begin to minister to them. And then Sarah and Ken, actually Sarah started it, Ken got on board with it. But he began, he started, they started a ministry in the in city of Atlanta to the poorest of the poor. We, we pretty much call it our peanut butter and jelly ministry. You don't know how many people you have fed with peanut butter and jelly. And they may eat it five times a week, six times a week, but it fills that spot in their belly. Ken tells the truth when he says, he doesn't, he doesn't just put his, the word out there, he puts his money where his mouth is. He lives right in the middle of that area. Now Ken could live about anywhere he wanted to. But he lives right there to minister to them. They've been robbed, they've been shot at, anything that you can imagine. Those things have happened. Those are just compassion ministries. It was during this time that that uh, Gary came back to me and said, I think I'm supposed to go back to Haiti. And I began to pray over him, prophesy over him. And I said, when we go to Haiti, and when I finished the prophecy, I asked the Lord, I said, what does this when we business come into power? <laughs> when we. No, that was Gary. That was not Eddie. <laughs> that was Gary. And so Pastor Gary, he set it up, and we went to Haiti. And I'll just be honest with you, I was scared to death when we got down there. But those people, man, they consumed what we had to offer. 
I watched Gary and Linda sell their house and move into a smaller house so that they could minister to hurting people in a different nation. Just, just heroes, just men and women that are heroes. We had a meeting where Kirk Bennett with Seven Thunders came in. And Kirk said, on, this was on Sunday, he said, the Lord's directed me to take up an offering, but not for me or not for my team. I want this offering strictly to go to the poor. And when he came in, there was an anointing that was so strong in the place, it was unbelievable. And the crowd wasn't much bigger than the crowd is right here. And it got so exciting. Some of you there, raise your hand. Didn't it get exciting? I mean, it, it was euphoric. I want you to know it was euphoric. People started giving and giving and giving. And they'd bring money. And then kids started taking off their shoes and putting them on the altar. And people started taking off their coats and putting them on the altar. And then people started taking off their jewelry and putting them on the altar. When, we, when it all finished, we took up a little over $17,000. $17,000. And we were able to give every dime of it to the poor. And, and the place had gone giddy. I, I'm telling you, you talk about a whole church being drunk. The whole church, man, they were dancing and rejoicing. And, and, and it was like, you're not going to outgive me. I'm going to give more than you give. You're not going to outgive me. I'm going to give more than you give. The funniest one of all, though, was John David. I, I'm sorry he's not here to tell us. You can take it home. John David came up there, and he came up to me later, and he said, the Lord told me to give everything I had in my pocket. I said, yeah. He said, I reached in my pocket to give it all, and he said, and I just said, Lord, if I give you everything in my pocket, I'm going to have to go back to the ATM. Is it all right if I just write a check? <laughs> I, and he said, I said, yeah, it's okay. Just write a check, John David. It'd be fine. He waited. And so he wrote a check and put it up there so he could keep his cash. But, but man, I'm telling you, I am telling you. And it, wasn't, and it wasn't like they gave junkie stuff. They gave the coats that were on their back. Boots, brand new boots and brand new coats. Why? Something touched their heart. Give it away. Now I'll tell you something about people in need. They're not like they're not like us. If I find a honey hole, you know, fishing, I ain't gonna tell anybody else about it because I want to go back to my honey hole every time I fish right there in that honey hole. But if they're poor, they tell everybody in the neighborhood. They want to share in the wealth. And so the elders said, well, let's get rid of that money. We don't want it just sitting here in the bank. And so we, the word got out. We were giving that stuff away. Man, I mean to tell you, it's somebody like somebody cut on a water faucet. And people came and came and came and came and came and came and came. And soon the, the $17,000 ran out and we had to tell one no. We told one no, the water cut off. Everybody quit coming. They knew there wasn't any more money. But they showed up to get the money. And they didn't just get money, they got prayed for. They got blessed when they came in. So they didn't know where it was going to, where it was going to go and what we were going to do. We believe in giving. We tithe on the offerings that come in the church. And we don't tithe on the bottom line. We tithe on what comes in. And then we give over and above what comes in. We've done that every year. We've, we've hit 15% one time, came close to 16% one time. Last year is like 11 or 12. 
but we give. Why do we give? Because we, we want to see the word of the Lord fulfilled. Am I making sense to you today? Genesis 13, 13. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and great sinners against the Lord. You read on down in 1820, he said, Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. And if not, I will not know is not a real good translation, because God knows anyway. What he said was, I will give them the opportunity to repent. And I will know whether they repent or not. Now think about, the, think about what God is saying. Not in terms of the literalness of it, but think about it in terms of what God is actually doing. He's saying, I'm going to come down, make my manifest presence known, so that Sodom and Gomorrah will have the opportunity to repent. And if they don't repent, I will know. And if I know, and they don't, then I will destroy them. Then in Ezekiel 16, 46, and your elder sister is Samaria, who lived with her daughters to the north of you. And your younger sister, who lived to the south of you, is Sodom with her daughters. Not only did you walk in their ways and do according to their admonitions, within a very little time you were more corrupt than they in all your ways. As I live, declares the Lord God, your sister Sodom and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride. Excess of food and prosperous ease. But they did not aid the poor and the needy. They were haughty and did an abomination before me, so I removed them when I saw it. God is serious about the compassion ministry. And I'm going to ask you the same thing I've asked you about, about worship. Are you doing your part? You see, it's the ministry of compassion that carries the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came because He had compassion on us. Shouldn't we also have compassion on other people? Shouldn't we be willing to reach out and touch other people? Now, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you to get goodie bags together to hand out to the poor or go into, the, go into a Section 8 housing department. What I'm going to tell you is let the Lord begin to show you what you can do. Let, let the Lord begin to show you what can happen. I, I, love what, I, I love what John Wimber said one time. There was a guy just kept bugging him to death, bugging him to death. But I think we ought to have a ministry to the poor. I think we ought to have a ministry to the poor. He said, we ought to take care of them. And John said, well, have a ministry to the poor. What he was really saying, would you fund the minister to the poor? And John will say, no, I'm not going to fund it. If God's in it, God will take care of it. And so he starts giving stuff in his house away. And he starts giving his, his sandwiches and his, his, his lunch stuff away. And he starts doing all this stuff. And, he comes, and his wife comes to him and says, John, you're going to have to talk to my husband. And she said, he said, what's the problem? He said, he's giving everything in our house away. We are down to one towel and one change of clothes. He said, we don't have anything else. He has given it all away. Three years later, three years later, they're giving 80,000 pounds of food a week away. And it started with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and whatever they had in their house. Whatever God's put on your heart. 
Whatever God's put on your heart. There are people in need. There are people that need to be touched. There are people that, 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 that need to know that you care about them. There are, there are so many people that have had abortions that need to know they are loved. That somebody cares about what has happened to them. There, there are so many there are so many men that haven't even been included and they, they've been on the outside looking in and they've had their children put to death in front of them and they are hurting right this minute. There are people in our, that are running around us that have lost children, that have lost mother and father and they are hurting and they need Jesus. There are people around us that are hungry and they need food. Amen. Oh, I'm making sense to you today. Amen. You see it's this kind of compassion that begins to grab hold of the heart of God. When you have that kind of compassion in you, all you've done is touch God's heart. And when you grab hold of God with your prayer, God will release whatever you have, whatever he has. He will open the windows of heaven and pour out like you cannot believe. He will move in faith. But he's saying, come on, step out there. Do something for somebody besides yourself. Aren't you glad you came this morning? Amen. We need, to, we need to see that. Where is the focus of most of my attention? Am I, am I like the, the, the Samaritans? I'm prosperous. I'm comfortable. I'm well fed. And I'll do anything that'll interrupt that. Just so you'll know, that's not how God operates. God will attack your comfort zone. Remember what I said when I started this? God wants us all in. He wants us all in. He wants us all in. Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. Please join us every Sunday morning for service times, locations, and other information about the church, visit us at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you 